Hey everyone, welcome to episode 161 of 15 with Randy and Ryan. No Andy. You got it. No Jeff. Not, they have abandoned us once again. Today is week two of six of our annual members only message series that features FHC members. This year that is entitled, that message series is entitled God is... And then we kind of fill in the blank for you. Our guest today is a first timer to the podcast, just like last week, Ryan Long. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, thank you. Last week, we kicked off this aforementioned series with FHC member Tomas Diaz, and we were reminded that God is the king of the universe and the most amazing creator imaginable. To think about his attributes, who he is, what he can do, and what he promises he will do. The more and more we think about our God and those attributes, his attributes, and the more and more we will fall in love with him. Now, seriously, if there's one set of messages that you don't want to miss anytime, it's our installments in the summer series, whether it's in the message or in the podcast. Don't hesitate to share by social media, text message, email, smoke signals, message in a bottle, whatever you got. Every year we get a great response to this series and from people outside of our network. So as people inside the church share these messages, whether it's the actual sermon itself on video format or in the audio format here, the thoughts that are primarily laid out by lay people resonate with and they really are shareable to those who may otherwise tune out anything church. So even if it's just a podcast, it's something that people really do resonate and go, hmm, I never thought about it that way. But I probably wouldn't step foot inside of a church either, at least where I'm at in my in my life right now. So if listening is as far as your tech takes you, send an email to podcast at hospitalchurch.org or text and voicemail to 407-965-1607. And I will personally walk you through how to share either of those, the video or this. All right. We already uh, ascertained that Ryan was our speaker this past week, and we went from creativity to the gracious nature of God's character. And unsurprisingly, we were exposed to another thought-provoking message based around a Bible story and character that are often overlooked and rarely referenced. We'll get to more of that in a minute, but Ryan told us a personal story of human graciousness and love and the difficulty to accept it. So Ryan, I think most of us have likely been in the same predicament as you and your family in the story that you shared. If we have this much difficulty sometimes in simply just accepting a gift in the spirit with which it was given and intended... How in the world can we accept something as magnificent as God's grace and salvation? How, how can we possibly do that with any kind of grace in ourselves? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, too. One thing I didn't mention about that story was that, you know, from that family's perspective that gifted us that vacation, Yeah, my wife probably had done something to earn that, you know. She had invested in them as a family, taken pictures for them. She had you know, mentored their son in ministry. So from their perspective, she probably had done something to to earn that, you know, in in our perspective, I mean, not nearly enough, you know, (laughs) a multi-thousand dollar (laughs) vacation, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, even something that she had done something for. And so when it comes to the realm of God and his graciousness and, um, the fact that we could never earn the things yeah. that he gives. I mean, that that's where you start to say, wow, you know, I've got to to come to a point of just accepting that it's it's something I cannot do anything to earn and uh, a place of humility of being able to accept. Now, we're talking about a really serious gift here. 
I mean, a vacation all taken care of to the Bahamas for yeah. you and your family, your wife and your son, yeah. right? The three of you. Right, right. And to for expenses paid. I mean, that's a big pill to swallow when you're thinking about gifts. It's not like someone's like, hey, here's, you know, really appreciate you. And here is a gift card to insert your favorite restaurant here right. for $50. <laughs> Take the wife and child out and have dinner or just, you know, do a date night. We'll watch the, you know, whatever. And sometimes even those smaller gifts, but we're talking about sure. something major here. And yet when we look on the other side of that and oppose that with, oh, I don't know, salvation mm-hmm. and things of that nature, it's like, this is minuscule, right? Right. But it seems so large. What about yeah. that just makes us feel like, ooh, we tighten up and we're like, I mean, the conversation that you wrote down, I just love it because I can hear my wife not having the same. <laughs> is it right yeah. that we would accept this? I mean, right. w- I mean, we can't. No, yeah. we can't do that, yeah. right? Yeah. That's and crazy. It, it is funny. It probably took us about a week of talking back and forth. And the <laughs> right. emails keep coming, you know, from, from this family. And we're like, you know, I, is this still, I mean, we were still wrestling with, uh, yeah. is this okay for us? But yeah, I mean, in retrospect, looking back, and if we were to put it up in comparison with the grace of God, yeah. as huge of a thing as it, as it is for us to accept, it's still, strangely enough, pales in comparison to everything yeah. he offers us. Yeah. You know? Well, a wise woman who's probably listening once told me to be a good gift receiver, even if you don't understand why or you don't feel worthy. She said, just accept it with a smile and say thank you. You don't have to do anything else. Don't steal the giver's joy. And that has given me a completely different outlook. And I believe it's allowed me to give more blessings as a result. How did you and your family come to terms with this? What put you over the edge to say, all right, all right, we just, we got to be okay with this or what led you to just say, okay, Mm -hmm. we're going to accept it. And where, how do you feel about it now? I know that trip is upcoming in about a month. Mm -hmm. How does that, how are you feeling about it now? Yeah, I think where we actually came to a place of, of being at peace with, if that, if that even makes sense. (laughs) No, it does. Absolutely. With accepting the gift was to realize that, um, it seemed like this was one of the ways that this person and this family um, make meaning of of what they have been blessed with. We mm. are not the only family that they've done this for. Yeah, and uh, so to come to grips with that and to say, okay, this is a blessing that this person is is receiving from helping other people to share the joy of what they are experiencing. This is our favorite place to vacation. We want some we want you guys to share this. We're so grateful for what you've done and we just want to bless you, you know. And I think even there we get a little insight into God and the gift he has given us. Yeah. You know, him in, inviting us to share eternity with him and him, you know, knowing how exciting that's going to be. Not not only in, in heaven, but I mean, in this life, you know, accepting right, yeah. the gifts that God has for us and him knowing how, how happy we're going to be and how awesome that's going to be. I think even in that sense, you know, there, there seems to be a little bit of a comparison there. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, I love the more obscure Bible stories. I always have. And you started talking about David and Jonathan, and I thought to myself, hmm, I haven't heard that story in a while. But then you took us into the story of Jonathan's son, Saul's grandson's Mephibosheth. So here's a story you don't hear often and even less as a focal character of a message. Now, a lot of times you might hear about him in passing as you're talking about this this story of Saul and David and 
Second Samuel's first eight chapters reads as a chain of military conquests, mm-hmm. murder, and grieving for loss of life by David and the characters that are surrounding him. And then chapter nine comes along and it's entitled in the NLT version, at least, as David's kindness to Mephibosheth. Chapter 10 is back to warring and destruction right away. Why this short respite of humanity amongst David's warrior chronicles, if you will? What do you think this, why do you think this is just tucked in there so nicely just in that, in that chapter? Cause it seems to be disconnected mm-hmm. kind of from the, the, the flow of the rest of that, sure. of that book. Yeah. You know, it goes along with another question I had as I was getting ready for this sermon. Why 20 years? I mean, 20 years-ish, yeah, give yeah. or take. Why, why such a huge gap in him fulfilling this promise to Jonathan years earlier, I'm going to be kind to your family. Yeah, But I true. mean, get, I get it. He was busy, right? <laughs> right, doing king stuff. <laughs> a lot of wars, a lot of battles, a lot of uh, <laughs> kind of trying to restore the kingdom, you know, from where it had been. And so I wonder if, if maybe it played a role in just him reflecting and the grief process of him grieving hmm. uh, a friend that he loved so so much um, that he had lost. And um, so I, th- that's one thing that came to mind, you know, yeah. maybe a part of that grief process, him having a little bit of respite to reflect and then being able to connect with the son of, of and going a, like, a oh, great yeah. friend. Didn't yeah. I say something like back then I was supposed to take care of his yeah. family? What? Oh, yeah, yeah. And to an extent, making meaning of that friendship too. Yeah. And, you know, feeling like he had fulfilled a promise and at the same time helped somebody who desperately needed it. What a legacy. I mean, when you think of all the other things that David did, good and bad, what a legacy to leave for someone who, like Mephibosheth, had so much baggage mm-hmm. and then just blessed him so immensely. That's it's that's a good way and it's a story I don't think we give David enough credit for as to maybe that part where we always go, A man after God's own heart, really? Mm-hmm. David, you know, he was the the warrior and he was, you know, Bathsheba and all these different things, but this story doesn't come up that often. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that. And of course, Brene Brown, right? Mm-hmm. The wisdom that we have been imparted with as a community on a regular basis here lately has been Brene Brown centric, but she mm-hmm. has a lot of great things to say. Mm-hmm. And I loved her definition of shame and guilt and how it brought this Bible story into a clearer and more meaningful reality to me. Right. And I'm sure it did you. That's why you yeah. chose it. But defining the shame as the gremlin who says you're not good enough because yeah. – Insert your own security and your own issue here. Sure. And that if we can quiet it down, we look up and the critic we see pointing and laughing 99% of the time is us. Mm -hmm. That puts a new but familiar face on shame, doesn't it? Absolutely. I hadn't put those two together. What what about this brought that together for you using yeah. as you realized that and the the difference between the shame and the and the and the guilt and Yeah, I you know, we think about people other than us shaming us, you know? And so that's, I think a lot of times that's a context we see shame in yeah, is yeah. other people doing things that to, shame to us, us. Yeah, right? Yeah. But I think even then shame, unless we receive it and embrace it and allow it to affect our value as a person, which is what shame does, it tears right. down it. Unless we, we kind of receive it in that way, it doesn't really have power over us. Mm-hmm. It still It still stinks to be talked down to by somebody else, but, but we don't have to let it affect our value, right. As a person. But I think the point she was making is that more often than not, it's us. Uh, we are the ones who are our worst critics and that has such a 
in a negative way, such a, a powerful impact on us and the way we see ourselves. I think it's doubly heavy for Christians mm-hmm. because when we succumb to it, we're thinking to ourselves, why is this? Mm-hmm. Right? We know that we're created where we believe we were created in the image of God. Jesus came to save us and right the wrongs and in part salvation and all these things. John three sixteen. you think of all these different things that you know to be true or you believe to be true. You have faith. And then it's like, oh, yeah, but when I believe these things, mm-hmm. it's somehow like we shouldn't. Like we shouldn't allow this because of what we know. We shouldn't allow this shame. We shouldn't be shaming ourselves, right? Yeah, right. And it almost becomes, to me, it becomes a heavier burden to bear given the fact that we really, and some part of us knows like, this is garbage. We know this isn't it. And yet I think that's why so many Christians who don't feel comfortable or don't have that community of safety to be able to say, you know, like, like, I don't know you from Adam, right? Ryan, we met first time on Sabbath. We talked about this last week with Tomas. I did see you in a pink tutu one time though, <laughs> at church. So, you know, but that was a judgment. That. that was a judgment free zone, wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. There was a purpose behind it. There was. Yeah. But now, you know, we're sitting here together and I think the power of togetherness and to be able to talk about these kinds of things, yeah. just like Tomas and I discussed last week, I'm probably already 50% more likely to say, you know, I kind I like Ryan. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know him that well, but then the little bit I do know, I like him and we've sure. talked Mm-hmm. That I would reach out to you if something was wrong, and I thought, you know, you know who might know, or you might mm-hmm. be able, who might listen without reservation or without yeah. judgment or without shaming, Ryan, mm-hmm. or oh, hey, I saw Tomas in the in the lobby, and we've now talked, and so now mm-hmm. that's one more person that you have to bounce yeah. things off of, and I think that's such an important part that we shouldn't miss in this is sure. that together we should be. I think this is part of keeping each other accountable, don't you yeah, think? Absolutely, and and what you're mentioning there knowing each other's stories a little bit and the power that's there, the impact. Yeah. That was the other half of Brene Brown's talk, Listening to Shame. She was talking about vulnerability and the power of vulnerability. And I think there's power in that. When I know somebody else's story, I connect with them more. And she also mentions three things that are things that will cause shame to grow immeasurably. And those are judgment, silence, and secrecy. Um, So people acting in judgment towards us, you know, that just causes shame to grow like crazy or us living in secrecy or silence. But she says that uh, what will actually help to bring that shame and kind of bring it down is empathy. And so this idea of connecting with something in me that I'm understanding your experience and I'm connecting with it and, and we're connecting emotionally, you're hearing my story, we're hearing each other's stories that actually is the answer to shame. And so, yeah, you hearing a little bit of my story, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Uh, we're more more likely to, to say, hey, we're the same, you know, yeah. and uh, we can help each other more when that's the case, I think. Absolutely. We're more likely to then say after church or a gathering or whatever, hey, you go grab a cup of coffee. You want to mm-hmm. come over? Well, right. you know, and that's how friendships are forged. And like today when I walked in, I was talking to Danny Hernandez and FaceTiming, making sure everyone said hello to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's someone who was my pastor and best friend for five years of my life who wow. had a huge, huge impact on who I am as a Christian. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not the same Christian that I was before I met Danny. Mm-hmm. And it's those kinds of relationships that mm-hmm. you pick up with and no matter where they are, he's in Denver now, has mm-hmm. been for a couple of years, miss him like crazy. Mm-hmm. And so every once in a while when I was like, oh man, I got a couple of minutes, let me, let me talk and connect. And those are invaluable to us as we mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to talk about, I know we don't have a lot of time, we're running out of time as always, but 
you outlined briefly Albert Ellis's rational emotional behavior therapy, mm-hmm. and I did a little research mm-hmm. uh, between Sabbath and now, and I'm just like, oh, oh man, we could really go down some rabbit holes here. Oh yeah, sure. But he talks about the building blocks of shame are irrational beliefs about ourselves and our value, and he had 12 irrational beliefs that caused distress. And it, if you're listening now, just hit pause, swipe up in the show notes, and I have a link to a PDF that outlines all 12. And when you take your time, when you have a minute, don't do it in a rush, but sit down and think about how each of those 12 can apply to a situation in your life. And it is, it's scary. It is. Yeah. It really is scary because I think once you understand that we can do very little, like he said, about the things that happen to us or the, some of the mm-hmm. consequences from those events, but we are in charge of what we believe about these events and ourselves, and we can – it's okay. We can change our feelings and, and resulting behaviors. For you, what's the most important beliefs we need to manage effectively as Christians to keep our guilt and shame game in check? After thinking about what you read about, the th- you gave us three in the message. I'm not even going to spoil those. Mm-hmm. Go back and watch the message, hospitalchurch.org. Go to sermons, go to archives. And the three that you picked were really, really good. But what do you think after kind of going through this? What's the one that really sticks to you? Is like, man, if we could just get a handle on that one, maybe that's the beginning. And if we could start, we could do baby steps and we could mm-hmm. work through this. What do you mm-hmm. think? It's hard to say just one, honestly, because um – you know, I, Albert Ellis's the twelve irrational beliefs he identifies are very general. Yeah, and, they are. and yet, as a Christian, I can say I'm there. I'm there. I'm here. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? yeah. And so, I don't know. You may have had the same experience. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Reading through those, I but, found uh, something in me in each of them. Yeah, honestly, right, right. Yeah. And so, but I mean, when you think about all the lies that the devil tells us, mm. you know, you're not good enough. Um, all of these things, or him, him reminding us of our guilt. You know, we're talking shame and guilt here. Yep, and, and we kind of uh, differentiated between the two in the sermon. Um, but you know, both of those arenas. Um, I think for me, what is so helpful is reminding myself of the value that God finds in me. Oh, that helps me so much in in reframing those unhelpful beliefs the spiritual beliefs that like to creep back in and say, you know, the devil telling me, no, you're excluded because you did this or you are, you know, (laughs) you're not good enough because remember this, you know, in your past or your history or, you know, we talked about Mephibosheth, his family history. We've all got stuff in our family history we're not proud of, right? Sure. Whether it's our family heritage where we came from or whether it's our families right now, you know, um, things that we wish we had done better or things that we have failed at that, that we wish we hadn't. So for me, it's it's going back and listening to to Scripture. Who does God say I am? Yeah. Well, there's so many aspects of guilt and shame that really set us up for major setbacks and roadblocks if we're not managing these effectively. Are there anything other than just those notes that I'm, that I'm going to include in today's uh, show notes, anything else, resources, books that you can recommend for someone who's just – because I think shame and guilt is something that – it doesn't matter if you're Adventist, if you're Baptist, if you're Catholic, but as far as rules and shame and guilt and or maybe Adventist, maybe we've got that cornered. I don't know. Mm. But what anything that you can think of for someone that's like, you know, I like what you said. I, I went, you know, looking through the, the Albert stuff and mm. something else I can just read that's mm. good reading that helps me remember, like you said, the good that God has mm. for me. Anything you can think of? 
You know, it's been a long time since I read it, but I know that when I did read it, it was a huge blessing to me. A book by George Knight. It's entitled, I Used to Be Perfect. (laughs) Really, really thought-provoking book. And he's dealing with guilt and, you know, this idea of perfectionism and his struggle with it. And so um, that might be one uh, just off the top of my head. Can't think of anything else right now. But, oh, perfect. Yeah. I'd, I know it's an on-the-spot thing. But it is. Yeah. I will. Uh, I will also include that in today's show notes. So there'll also be a link, probably to Amazon, that can take you to that book, get you on your Kindle, yeah. get you paperback, hardcover, whichever format they have. All right. Well, this week, one of our FHC takeaways asked: Think of a time in your life when you were given a gift that you didn't earn and didn't deserve. How did it make you feel? And that was another one. And I, you know, a lot of times we ask for different, you know, feedback and things. And you can share a piece of this, of your story with us if you'd like. And we'd be happy to share it with others and help bolster each other up and share. And, and like you said, it helps bring us together as a community. And I was thinking back and, you know, from a- anything from, from everything from anonymous gift cards or cash taped to our front door to pay the rent, the gift of a, a car. For free as one of our, as a one car family, our last one failed. We didn't have one. And just so many more that are just so innumerable to count. But those were two that came to mind really quickly. And too often I felt that the pride, the bruised ego have gotten the best of me. And it's like, oh man, this is, you know, I am I this guy? Is this my family? But I've learned to bask in the generosity of the giver who's listened to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So that we're both blessed and that God ultimately is lifted up for that act of kindness. So if you would like to share a piece of your story with us, as mentioned previously, you can leave a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or email podcast at hospitalchurch.org. Our final thoughts are from the closing of Ryan's message. He said, what better way to end this chapter than reminding us that despite his family history, And despite his physical disabilities, Mephibosheth now had a new identity and a new value because he was the recipient of the incredible grace and generosity of the king. And I love that sentence because I think we can relate to and often have enough of our Mephibosheth moments. That's a tongue twister. To be reminded that we all have a new identity and value because of the grace and generosity of God. That is something that we can hold on to each and every day. Absolutely. I just, I loved that sentence. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you said it, I'm like, ah, that's what I want to close with. Mm -hmm. All right. Upcoming is going to be part three. And you know, I didn't see before we came in. Let me just. God is faithful. It's what? God is faithful. Megan Kowser. Now, here you go. Two weeks in a row, I don't know what's happening. Because usually Jeff and Andy know, and then Jeff's not here. And so I was just going to pop open my email. And last week, Tomas was like, uh, uh, graciousness with Ryan Long. And I'm like, what? How do you know? And now you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's going yeah, to uh, be made. I had to speak into the camera and, and let the online audience know who was next. <laughs> that's so, how you yeah, guys know. That's it. All right. I am, okay, from here on out, I am not even going to look and put those in the notes. <laughs> just I'm, trust that next person. I'm right? going to trust that the next person. Let's see how far we can take this train, shall we? There you go. We've only got four yeah. more weeks to go. This will work. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you, Ryan, so much for your message and for being here today. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. It's a privilege. Excellent. As always to Tom and well, Jeff and Andy, you didn't do anything this week, so we'll catch up (laughs) with you guys later. But do join us again next Wednesday for episode 162. Thanks for listening and have a great week.